Your, uh, take your Bible and let's uh, look at Romans chapter 13. I've entitled the message the, this morning, The Christian's Duty to the State. Now by the state, I, mean, I don't mean the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, though that's a part of it, certainly. I mean government in general. And, and there are governments, uh, there's the federal government in Washington, it's the main center of it. Uh, then there's the state, but there's also local government. And there are other authorities in life. We'll talk about it as we uh, look at uh, Romans uh, chapter 13 uh, in this chapter. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, we have the wonderful, wonderful privilege of voting in the midterm election. And praise God, no more commercials. Amen? Amen. Holy cow. Man, oh man. I, I, oh, I'll be glad when they're done. The poor media, they lose all that money. You know, they make a profit with all that, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I, I will say to you, it's indeed a rare thing in human history that uh, people are given a voice in the who should govern them. Don't ever forget that. Some of you slept in social studies and history class, and you kind of like, well, I don't remember what happened there. Look, here's what happened. There are wicked and evil rulers down through the centuries of time, tyrants, and uh, of all sorts, and they could care less what common people thought. Off with your head! I don't like your face. I mean, they had, the, they had authority. And the, the thing that we have as, as citizens of this country, the privilege to cast a vote, to have a voice, and who should rule, don't ever take that for granted. It's a thing easily lost. It's a very rare thing in the annals of human history. I'll just remind you of that. Never forget it. Don't take it for granted. Now make sure you vote. Your vote. Don't ever tell me, you know, like you're for this or that or this kind of thing if you don't vote. Just shut your mouth. I don't want to hear. You know? Don't say it. If you didn't do that, vote. Vote. Make sure you do. We're privileged to live uh, in this land. Wow. Well, uh, when Paul wrote Romans, and that's what we're going to chiefly look at today, Romans, he set forth uh, in this uh, epistle the longest gospel tract. Are you used to giving out tracts, maybe? Uh, some of you are. This is the longest gospel tract in the whole Bible. It goes from chapter 1 to chapter 8. And Paul begins in the early chapters of the whole world, lost and under judgment. In chapter 3, you see that. Well, then how is the world to be saved? How are men and women to be, uh, to be made right with God? That's the whole question of human existence. That's the great question. How will a man or woman be made right before holy God? Who will review all of us? Well, then he answers that in chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6 with our justification being made, declared righteousness. It's a righteousness that's given to you. That's the, that's the great reformation that was lost. People thought, I'm trying to be good. That's all right. The problem is you can never be good enough. You can't do it. It's like, well, I can do the broad jump. I was on the track team. I did the field events, right? So I'm going to now try and jump over the Grand Canyon. Don't do it. Don't even try. I'd like to see it, actually. You'd hit the river maybe below. No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see it. You can't get over it. So it'll be good. Yeah, that will never save you, ever. The, the law was never given to save anyone. 
You know what? It was, showed, it was given to show that you're a lawbreaker and under judgment and worthy of the lake of fire. Me too. I think, well, well, how about faith? Yeah, faith too. All of us. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift, look, the saving faith that you have is a gift. God gave you the gift of faith when he regenerated you. And God gives you the righteousness. He charges it to your account. He places, like you have a bank account, someone just went in and put in millions of dollars in your account, gave it to you. Well, it was, it's better than that. Well, what's money, you know? But the righteousness of Christ is placed into your account and you're made right because God no longer sees you standing alone, but he sees you through Christ to be en Christos, in Christ. It makes all the difference. It's the great issue, you know, when, when a man or woman's coming to the end of the road, you know, and you gather around the bed, it may be you. The great question is, well, he's a happy guy. Boy, he made a lot of money. Oh, he was a great soccer player. None of that. They're okay in their place. But the real question is, is he in Christ? You better be saved or you're lost forever, doomed, depart from me into everlasting judgment. Those are not my words, they're the words of Christ. In Christ. Wow. And so he lays that out in Romans 1 to 8. You can read that later. Now, he follows this long gospel track, I called it doctrinal section, with a practical outworking of the gospel. Do you know that the gospel is extremely practical? The gospel changes everything. It changes everything. It changes uh, the way we relate to God, and he begins in, in chapter, just, just go back to look at chapter 12, he begins a section of the outworking of this wonderful gospel. Uh, first of all, it changes our relationship to God, right? Now he's begging us to offer our bodies of, as living sacrifices to God. That's an oxymoron. Have you noticed sacrifices are usually dead? Here's a living dead thing. That's what we are. We're living sacrifices to God. What is it? It's Christ in us. It's God in us. And so our relationship to God has changed, and it goes a little bit further. Our relationship with uh, other believers has changed. We're in the body. We have different gifts. In chapter 12, verse 6, and right in that whole area, that's changed as we relate to each other. We call each other brother and sister. We're in the body. There are no nationalities. There are no races. There's no uh, economic strata. We're all one in Christ. Isn't it great? No Jew, no Gentile. I love it. I love the body of Christ. I love it, really. I look around Harrisburg, and I go, you go to Starbucks, and I hear Russian, Hungarian, Chinese, Korean, and I go like, where are these folks? They ought to be in our church. Why aren't they here? They ought to be here. There ought to be a sampling of it. There ought to be a picture of heaven here at Grace. That's what I pray for. I long for that. I want that, really. And the body, it's the body. Then it changes the way we relate to uh, the people in general. Look where he's talking about, the end of chapter 12. If your enemy, he's not, that's not within the church there. If your enemy is now hungry, you're to feed him. And so the gospel changes the way that you and I relate to people in general. And then finally he moves into chapter 13, we call 13. It's one letter. And now it changes the relationship that you and I bear before the state before the government. Paul lived in the Roman Empire. When Paul wrote Romans 13 as a Roman citizen, I remind you, he had been one who had been grossly mistreated by the Roman government. 
So that's the context. He's not on some sort of island, Hawaii, and surfs up, and isn't it great? No, this guy has paid a great price. He said, well, I'll, I'll obey if it's the perfect government. No way. You don't have that prerogative. We'll see why. And so you and I bear as Christians a change in our duties from unsaved life to now saved before the state. We do well to take note of it, for the gospel changes everything. Well, the text here, this text, in my estimation, is the single best passage instructing us in the duties that you bear and I bear before the human government, the state. And so we're going to look at that. I remind you, the mission of the church is not to change society. There's some people that fall off the wagon on that end. You know, the mission of the church is not to change society. But you know what? A changed society is a byproduct of the gospel. And we're going to talk about one of the best things you and I can do in our duties to the state is evangelize. A grassroots movement. It's not top-down. We're going to, Moral majority never was a thing. Moral majority. Never. It's been a minority, and I'm not sure they were really that moral. But as you and I share the gospel, when people come to know Christ, you know, they, they, they think different, right? We have the mind of Christ. They vote different. They're salt and light. And it's one of the greatest things that you and I can do is evangelize and help change the world in which we live in, one by one by one. You know, uh, a, a number of uh, years ago, um, um, the founder of Navigators, uh, I can't, I know, Dawson Trotman, thank you, Jim, uh, wrote a, a little, little pamphlet on, on winning people for Christ and discipling them. And, you know, it's a, it's a geometric progression, but, you know, the whole world could be dis- one to Christ and everyone six months discipled in the things of Christ. Uh, and then someone found, you found a new one after six months and after another six months. And if we all did that 17 and a half years, the whole world would be one to Christ and, and early on discipled. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Evangelize. Well, well, two duties, two responsibilities laid upon us as Christians in our relationship with the civil government. Let's, uh, let's read the text, Romans 13, 1-7. Everyone, Paul says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, uh, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. And this is why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants. Underline the word servants, the word deacon, diakonos, deacon. They're God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. 
Well, the text unfolds in two major parts, and that's why, hence, we have two responsibilities in this text laid upon us in our relationship. First one, verses five, 1 to 5, we are to live in submission. Submission to the governing authorities. It ought to be the theme and the heartbeat of our life, living in submission to civil authority, those that are given the command over temporal things in life, not eternal things, but temporal things, civil. That's what we refer to. A, Paul issues a command calling us submit, submit to the governing authorities. What this means is that we willingly, we willingly, it's a military term, place ourselves as if we're a lesser rank under a higher rank. Now, you can't command it. Uh, you can't. It's, uh, it's the same term seen in other venues, but it's voluntary. So a Christian man or woman, boy or girl, says, wait a minute, these are God's servants, so I voluntarily place myself under uh, the governing authorities. I willingly do that, and I keep myself there. Why is it that you don't keep slipping out like a watermelon seed on a picnic bench where you keep with your thumb and it squirts out? No, you stay under it. It's a, it's a present tense command. You continue. It's a continuum. You're there and you, as a way of life, you continue living in a submissive, voluntary submissive state a position uh, to the governing authorities. You see, the early Christians may have wondered Uh, Does serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords, now that we're saved, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, does serving him mean that we can neglect obedience uh, to the earthly sovereign? And the answer Paul is going to give here in verse 1 is absolutely not. You and I, and he's writing to those in the Roman Empire, are to practice submission uh, to the governing authorities as a way of life. Well, let me say at the get-go, there are, some, there, are, there are some exceptions to this. And I'll just say it early on, and uh, after making a strong statement that submission ought to be the mark and hallmark and description of your life and mine in Christ, well, let's deal with the limitation. Uh, that is, and it's on your sheet, if the civil government, if government attempts to require disobedience to God's wonderful word, then you and I must refuse to obey, all right? But we're rebels at heart, okay? You are, and so am I, and we're anti-disestablishment people, not just from the 60s, but we are. We're rebels. We are. Be careful. Make sure it's clearly a violation of Scripture and not your hunches or your preferences or if you're a Democrat against the Republicans in, or if you're a Republican against the that doesn't Listen, God is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's not any of that. All right? Say, well, I didn't vote for him, so I, no way. Make sure it's a clear violation of Scripture, and then you, you peacefully, lovingly respond to that, speak to that, and then you'd be willing to suffer the consequences for that. And God may have you to be an example, uh, a thorn in the flesh uh, to the wicked governing authorities. I I have this Georgie Vins. Some of you know of Georgie Vins. He was a Russian pastor who for many years 
uh, before the fall of the Soviet Union. He suffered years and years there in, in the Soviet Union in jail. He was thrown into the gulag and, and pretty well forgotten. And uh, he viewed it as, well, God just changed my calling and my place of ministry. And the tremendous ministry among the other inmates and, and so on. Uh, he was abused, he suffered, mistreatment, and, and all the rest. Uh, he touches my life in that he, he was finally released, and he saw the crumbling of the Soviet Union as a spiritual battle. It wasn't economic, wasn't military, though those played a part, but at the very core of it was a spiritual victory of God in crumbling that atheistic, communistic block, and it crumbled his daughter married uh, my professor's son, Scott Carter, uh, uh, married Georgie Vince's daughter. And Dr. Carter, our professor, had mentioned and read parts of his, prayed for uh, so many of the Soviet pastors that were thrown in prison for years and years. Their picture, I couldn't even pronounce half of uh, their names, you know. The letters are going backwards and forth. They're like New York City taxi drivers. You ever see... You know, Seinfeld made fun of that one day. <laughs> I mean, letters going the other way and stuff. You know what I mean? Whatever your name is, but uh, and so on. So he suffered. So what, uh, the limitation is uh, if they violate Scripture. Now, let me give you a couple examples. Write these down. Exodus 1.17. Exodus 1.17. Pharaoh told the Hebrew midwives, kill the male children. They're in Egypt. There's so many of them. They're flooding the land, these boys, these Hebrew children, and ordered by command that the midwives kill the male child's uh, babies as they're born. And they refused. They refused. I pray for our country with the abortion and the 40 mil. We have blood all over our hands and all over our soil. I pray that God one day will end that holocaust. I read... Uh, you know that recently some books on the Nazi regime, and I say, Lord, we are the Nazis. We've allowed the slaughter of human life. God forgive us for that. They refused. No way we're going to do that. No way. How about some others? Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 18. How about the men, the three that had a back problem and an e problem. They wouldn't bow before the idol. When they played the music, everybody bowed down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then he brought him before. Let's do it again. See if he'll bow down. They refused. They refused to do it. And let's, I want to read their words. I love, I love the words in Daniel. If you, if you want to turn to Daniel 3, would to God that we would have this kind of strength of heart and faith in God and they, they're answering the great Nebuchadnezzar who has passed a law that ran counter to the word of God, not to have any other idols before you. In verse, uh, um, and Nebuchadnezzar gives him another opportunity to, to do that. And in verse uh, 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Isn't that wonderful? 
And, they, and, they, and God wonderfully worked, and, and it was a pre-incarnate visit of Christ in the furnace, and they were delivered from that. Keep your hand in, in Daniel. There's uh, Daniel 6, Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel had some other administrators that, that uh, were envious of his position. You ever face that in business? Someone wants your job? That's what was going on here. And so they reported to the boss and tried to do, uh, go around him and try and do him in. Oh, king. They flattered him, and he made a law, and uh, no one's to pray but anybody but you for 30 days. Oh, that's a wonderful thing, the king said. Oh, they love me, right? Yeah, except one problem. Uh, it uh, was a violation of Scripture, right? And Daniel, don't you love Daniel? As soon as he hears in, in Daniel 6.10, as soon as Daniel heard of the new law that was published, he went home, upstairs room where the windows were open. He didn't even hide. Isn't that great? Prayed toward Jerusalem three times a day. He got down on his knees. He prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Wow. You see, when the civil magistrates pass laws that violate the clear teaching of Scripture, we humbly proceed, we speak when we can, and we do what we must do because uh, we must obey God rather than man. And that's the Acts passage, the exception there. I won't turn to that. You can look at it later. Remember when they arrested uh, John and, and uh, Peter? They brought, him, uh, they brought him. They were filling Jerusalem with the teaching of the gospel of Christ, and the Jews were getting all nervous about this. Uh, and they brought in and said, well, what shall we do? They're filling the city with this, and we'll tell them not to speak uh, in the name of Jesus, right? Remember that? And uh, they said to, to them that we cannot do that. You judge for yourself whether it's right to obey God rather than man. There are spheres that man rules, and there are spheres where God rules over all. And uh, there are, when, when they conflict and those times typically are few and far between that we are to obey God and be willing to suffer the consequences of it. Well, let me ask you then. Help me out here. What are some areas that you and I commonly uh, break civil law when we shouldn't? What are some areas? Now, speeding. Oh, wow, that was fast. <laughs> speeding fast. Touche. Notice that? That was fast. Okay. Is that with conviction, Rod, or is that a uh, uh, Roger, or is that... All too familiar with it. Okay. What else? What are some other areas we, we invite? John? Well, how do we do that? We oh, jump? Oh, we, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're all in the traffic here. What are, what are some other areas? Other areas. We disobey the civil authority. All right, not you, but you know of somebody, Okay. <laughs> Uh, where, where? So well, if I say I'm going to confess, confession is good though. Yeah, it is. Taxes. What? Taxes. Taxes. Yeah. Not all Christians are honest. Okay. <laughs> Taxes. Yes, Dwayne. Zoning. Zoning. Oh, okay. All right. Zoning laws. Okay, put a sign up. What kind of sign did you put up? Oh, really? Wow. 
All right, zoning law, signage. What are some others? Anything else come to mind? Yeah, building permits. Uh, yeah. Working on your house when it's not permitted by local ordinance. Okay. Others? Paul? Is that right? Every political sign on the right of way is illegal? Okay. Okay, other things? Wow. Uh-oh. Action in the back. All right. Others? Anything else come to mind? You're all sitting there looking so innocent. We're not innocent, no. Yeah, oh, we'll save that, John. We're going to get to that. That's a big point. That's where I'm going today. Big part of that. All right. Well, let me ask you another question. If we disagree with our leaders, say, I didn't vote for this guy or that woman, this, can we withhold our taxes? <laughs> or a portion of it? I figured it out. Well, I read on the 1040, it's a voluntary... Do you ever read that? It's a voluntary... You read that? Why do they why do they put that on there? There are people in federal prison today. Who say it was voluntary submission of my tax return. Oh, oh man, <laughs> I got carried away. <laughs> what happened to him? Yeah. Can we do that? Can some people do that? You know, don't they? I'm not for abortion. I figured it out. I'm only going to send you eighty percent. Any, any, anyone have a comment on that, Paul? Yeah, okay, the torts and the agreements, that's right, whether verbal or written. All right, we must obey God rather than man. So, uh, this is going to be rare when they come into conflict. But uh, we need to be, uh, number three, we need to practice civil obedience regardless of the failures of government. We must. We must. God is commanding us. It's an imperative. Many rulers are immoral. You believe that? Yeah. They're unjust. They're ungodly. I just remind you again, Caesar was Nero was Caesar at the time. Nero, that perverted, demented, warped little man, was the ruler of the Roman Empire and had Paul and Peter executed. And, and that's when Paul wrote this. Wow. Well, B, Paul provides a number of reasons in verses 1b to 5 after making this strong command as to why we need to practice submission to the state. And I have six of them listed here. Number one, the government, as a matter of fact, all authority for that matter, authority in the home, dad and mom, authority at, at school. What's, what's the authority at school? It's, it's the authority that moms and dads lend to the teachers. I just tell our kids while they're growing up, they work for me. You're in trouble with them. You're in deep trouble when you get home. They're an extension of our home. It's required for mom and I to educate you. And there are a lot of forms and fashions in which we do that, but that's an authority figure, right? Military is an authority figure. That's a, that's a part of the government. We appreciate Jeremy serving in the Air Force and, uh, and for, uh, for Matt and others 
and uh, so on. There's authority in government. There's authority in the church, right? The, the, the pastors and elders, and we're to obey them. They're authorities. You say, well, I hate authority. Welcome to the human race. We're, we're Genesis 3 people, right? We hate authority. I'm going to get away from all authority. No, everyone's under authority. Everyone is. Everyone. In the husband-wife relationship, children-parent relationship, employee-employer relationship. It's everywhere you go. The policeman out there has a badge, right? You're speeding. You're in deep trouble. Wow. All right. So the government, yea, all authority from that, has been established by God. God establishes kings and he dethrones them. We read that in the text. Romans 9, 17, you look at that later. God, Paul refers to Exodus where God says about Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of the Exodus, I raised you up to be Pharaoh. I raised you up for my glory to show my power. See, the whole world and the exodus of this people. Uh, and, and Nebuchadnezzar, another arrogant ruler, yet in 417, after he ate grass for seven years, realized, wait a minute, I'm not sovereign, I'm not king as King Nebuchadnezzar. There's one in heaven who reigns, and he appoints, and he dethrones, and his name is to be praised. You see, number one, God establishes all authorities. Uh, he is the sovereign one. He is the great king. He has instituted government from eternity past in his eternal counsels and decree. And it came about uh, in human history and time. You can jot down Genesis 9-6. By man, God tells Noah, after the flood, that uh, man would be given collectively uh, the ability and the power for capital punishment that has been given by God to the state. We live in a world that's lost that. And unless you're the most heinous of, of reprobates and, and, and murder and, and just you kill 25 people, maybe, just maybe, the state will have enough guts to, to, uh, with, with a jury and it's done right and the DNA to put your life away. God says, by man shall their life be required because they snuffed out those beings that bore the very image of God. It's a clear teaching of Scripture. It's not re rehabilitation. You don't rehabilitate hardened uh, uh, criminals that have extinguished the life in people. Uh, it's called human justice. And I'll remind you of the world that was before that. There, before the flood, there was no government. Aren't you glad there's government? Aren't you glad, really? Aren't you? Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Prior to that, it was unlivable. Millions of people lived. It was horrible. Horrible. Great creatures roamed the earth as well. Devouring, being devoured. It was a terrible place. And God said, that's it. The man in his degeneracy needs authority structure uh, to keep a lid on the evil, wicked acts of men and women. Or the place is going to run rampant again. They're my servants. And they're going to suppress the evil and promote the good for me. Never forget what happened to the world. It was destroyed in the flood prior to human government. And human government didn't begin in a biblical chrono chronological uh, scheme of things till Genesis 9-6. Well, power only has one source, and that's God himself. And so on. Well, number two, second reason. Resisting human government is to resist God. 
Now, that's a tough one. I don't know if you ever run a tug-of-war before. We used to have some good tug-of-wars at picnics and things, and we always wanted to get the big, meaty guys with the huge guns on, uh, for arms on our side, right? And we didn't want to be dragged into the mud hole and embarrass ourselves before the women folk, right? How'd you like to resist God? You think you could pull on that thing? I don't think so. But Paul said to resist uh, the governing authorities that have been established by God is to resist God. God's plan in doing this was to restrict, as I said earlier, fallen men and women. Number three, third reason, verse 2b, those who resist government will be punished. You will be punished, maybe sooner, maybe later, but you will be punished for doing wrong. If you want to be free from, from that, do what's right. Hey, listen, if you keep the speed limit, you'll never have to be looking in your rearview mirror for uh, red flashing lights. Do you notice that? Your blood pressure probably goes down and everything else. Yeah, that's the way that happens. If uh, you cheat on your taxes, you never have to be looking for a special first-class mailing from the IRS. <gasps> I wonder in this cold sweat, they found me out or something. You never have to do that. I mean, life is good. And uh, if you resist the government, you'll be punished. And uh, if not here and now, ultimately and finally before the throne of God. That's what Jesus is saying here. In fact, Jesus said, and they stamped his approval on the state, there uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the, day, the night he was arrested, Matthew 26, 52, those that live by the sword are going to die by the sword. He's referring to human government and uh, capital punishment. Government has the right to impose obligations upon us. Government, the very bottom, you say, well, what is government? Government is force. Even if we live in a, a democracy, or rather a republic, which is, is the best type of government in a fallen world that spreads the risk out of depraved men and women, it equals force. You know that government can, can force upon us the military draft again, you say, well, I don't want to do that, and they voted that out. Listen, things could get so bad, and we could be sold to the brink as a nation that all of a sudden all men, and now it's all under 35, you know, if you're able, come down and report because we're fighting on the, on, on the coast of our country and we're going to be inundated by the enemy. They have the right to do that, the right to require that, the right to tax. They have the right to force you. It's a joke when the 1040 says voluntary submission. It is. I don't know why that's on there like that. I think that was the original wordings uh, given, but uh, so on. But force, government equals force. Uh, number four, fourth reason, God, the government serves to restrain evil. Remember what happened in the world prior to the flood. It restrains it. You know, the fact that there's a, a policeman on the corner, it improves all of our driving. Now be honest, doesn't it? Let him drive behind you. You're driving better than ever, right? And there's 911 when someone comes into your house and they thought it was a party and you didn't have a party and you were in bed. You can hit 911 or defend yourself. There, there are people actually answer and come, sometimes late, but they get there and uh, the authorities, both foreign and domestic, I'm grateful for. They suppress evil. We're so thankful that they, they found those packages on UPS. What a horrible thing from, uh, that that could have caused. We appreciate that. Number five, the civil authorities serve to promote the common good. They want to lift up those. He's a model citizen. 
Look at that. Uh, and and that's, that's what they're, they're given to in verses 3b to 4. Uh, Paul calls the governing official here God's deacon. It's the same word that's used. Jimmy's our deacon here at Grayson. It's the same word for it, diakonos in the Greek. He's servant, minister, if you will, uh, and so on. And God's, uh, the civil authorities, he or she is doing God's work by promoting safety and peace. Number six and last, rulers are empowered by God to punish evil in 4b through 5. We see it for he is God's servant. But if you do wrong, be afraid. The word is phobos, fear, phobia. You say, like, I'm a hydrophobic, hate water, right? Fear. You're like, if you don't do right, you need to fear. And to be looking over your sh- shoulder with a sense of a paranoia because the government is after you. Be afraid, the sword. The sword here is the symbol of authority. It's like a, a policeman's billy club or his pistol or his badge. They're symbols of the civil authority that's been given to them by the government, ultimately given to them by God himself. Well, we are to live in submission to governing authority. It ought to to be the, the, uh, the label that's over our life. But more than that, second, verses 6 and 7, we see the second responsibility that's laid upon us uh, in our duties to the state. We are to support the work of the government with our taxes and even more. Look what he said. This is also, Paul says, why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's ministers, servants, who give their full time to governing, giving everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, taxes, revenue, revenue, respect, respect. That's fear. That's the word NIV is. But it's phobos, phobo, phobo, fear, fear, reverence, reverence. And then honor, to give them honor. And so we're to give taxes and more. A, our taxes provide for the servants of God to work full-time. They're in full-time ministry. You probably never thought about it. Tell the local police uh, sergeant, so you're in full-time ministry, are you? Thank you for serving us. We appreciate that so much. We're glad that you're there. And uh, this business of promoting good and suppressing evil, I got news for you, in a fallen world, it's a full-time job. And it's getting worse, right? And so we support them with that uh, and, and so on. And yet, uh, B, uh, we are to provide more, our civil leaders, with more than our dollars. We're to respect them. That's what Paul said. We're to fear them. But it's not to be terrifying fear. It's what a wife ought to have for her husband. It's the same word. And here it's a reverence. It's a sense of awe and respect is the way. We ought to have respect for our civil governing authorities. Now, it gets very convicting at this point, okay? If you've not been convicted now, you better be, because I I dealt with this, and the Lord had to rebuke me, because have I not shot my mouth off and shared my... I'm an American, freedom of speech. Can't I just, you know, tell what I think about this mayor or that governor or that senator, or that president, or that congressman. And you know what? The Lord really rebuked me. You know? God calls us to a higher calling. Reverence. Respect. You say, well, I don't respect that woman or that man. That's not what he's talking. He's talking because God has ordained it, and they have that office. I better be careful. And more than that, they're made in God's image. They bear their image bearers of God. I better be careful how, what I say. 
Now, can I have an opinion? By all means. Can I share? By all means, do that. Help make our government even better. But in the process of sharing your opinions, hopefully they're godly informed and biblically based, do not tear apart the, that person who has that office. You know why? God is listening. And I wonder how displeased he is. And you know what else? When you and I as Christians, being salt and light, and that's what you are and I am, when we do that to the governing authority, we help bring about anarchy, and we bring the whole thing down. I think we need to be very careful about it. In the church, I said, it's not never to be, we're not Democrats, we're not Republicans, we're not conservatives, we're not independents, Hopefully you're not communist. Okay? Let's be biblicists. We're salt and light. People of principle. We speak. Our words are seasoned with grace. They're informed. We respect people for being there. We're glad they're there. We speak up with words and logic and rationality without destroying the person. I didn't always like, let's go back a few years, uh, Jimmy Carter and my father, he gave away the canal and all the rest, and there are a lot of things said. He was the President of the United States. I didn't always like um, uh, George Bush Sr. and some of the things he did and some of the things that he held the position of President. And Bill Clinton brought a lot on himself. I think my son-in-law is right, Greg, when he said uh, few people in, in our lifetime were more gifted and had more ability than Bill Clinton. He did a lot of good things, but he did some, some things were, that were shameful, but haven't we all? And the way we would we'd speak of him, we can disagree, and we ought to disagree agreeably and with salt. And then and George Bush he got bludgeoned. I didn't agree with everything that George II did and said. And President Obama, he's uh, two years He, I pray for him every single day. I pray for protection for his family. Wouldn't it be horrible if anything terrible happened? Not because Biden would be president. I know some of you are thinking that. It would be a terrible thing. It's our country. He's our president. He's the president of all this country. Do I agree with everything? Of course not. I don't agree with everything. Faith doesn't agree with me. Can you believe that? Everything she doesn't agree with me. I'm still working on it. You know, he's our president, and we can disagree, and we can say some things are moral. This immoral, that, and we can have an opinion. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful with our governor and our senator and our state house and all. Be careful with the way. Honor to whom honor is due. Respect to whom respect is due. And you and I walk down the street shooting our mouth off. Don't share the gospel of Christ right after that. Please don't do that. Be careful about that. Pray about that. And we're going to talk about what we, can, what, what we can do. Honor them for their position. 
There used to be a day, I remember as a kid, my father ran for office and won in city government in Buffalo. There was a day when after the election, it was bring them all together. Now he's the or she's the of all of us. You didn't agree maybe, you didn't vote for him, so what? Let's rally together now. We're one people. I wish we had that day. I pray we do. Be careful about that. I hope it's convicting for you because I was convicted. Lord, help me on this. Watch your words. God is listening. Some final thoughts about our relationship. Uh, Number one, we as believers, pray. Pray for our government leaders. They have enormous problems. I, I, you know, they're really unsolvable, a lot of them. And they're, it's a result of sin, most of it. All right, pray for wisdom and grace and godliness and perspective. And, and uh, you know, if you want to pray for a change of this one or that, pray that way. Pray, intercede. You're commanded to do that in 1 Timothy 2. Are you doing it? Number two, we have the right to speak, of course. Thank the Lord for that, freedom of speech. They don't lock us up yet. Be, be, have your word seasoned with grace. Disagree, but be agreeable. And even areas that are really close to the heart, like sacred issues of abortion and, and these kind of things, you, you know. Disagree, but separate the position from the man, the position from the woman. And, 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 and ask the Lord, help me to honor that person because he... He or she represents all of us in whatever sphere they're elected to or appointed to. Careful about that. Speak up. Express. You know, voting is the strongest way that you speak. Vote. And if you don't like who's up, then you run. We'll pray for you. Encourage you. Number three, I said earlier, evangelize the people around you. When people are saved, they're different. They're salt and light. The gospel changes everything. Paul is reminding us in this very passage. So evangelize. And number four, again, practice obedience. We as a church strive to do that. It's a couple areas, zoning laws, building codes, fire safety, regulations. In fact, in all areas, all laws that would not cause us to disobey God's wonderful, wonderful word. That's the Christian's Duty to the state. Some closing uh, lessons for our life. Number one, what can we say as a result of this? The takeaway is, number one, submission to government, authorities, and civil affairs should mark our life. We should not be known as rebels. We don't have time to talk about the American Revolution and should we have been involved. Another day we'll talk about that. In a word, I think it was a reinstitution of um, English rights, but that's another story. It should mark our life. Submission. Number two, submission does not mean we cannot try to improve government. We can and should. Speak up. Write. Send articles to the paper. Be reasonable. Deal with the ideas. Don't slander the person. Don't attack him or her. And then finally, vote. That's your strongest way to speak. Number three, the state is only to be resisted when it claims the allegiance due to God alone. Then we resist and we, we, we obey God rather than man and we do it in the spirit of Jesus.
who put a limitation on government himself. When he said, render under Caesar the things that are Caesar, and the things that are God, you give to God. And there is a limitation on civil government. And number four, help preserve America by evangelizing the lost and by living a holy life. Strive, Lord, make me holy. I'm not holy. Make me holy. And be salt and light and influence. You know, salt's a preservative. Light shows the way. And bit by bit, it's a game of inches. A lot of you are going to watch football. It's a game of inches. This thing of preservation and living, striving to please, is a game of inches. And little things are big things. Number five and last. Become, uh, today, I encourage you, if you're not a Christian, become, you know, you can become a citizen of heaven today. If you'll trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior from your sin. A simple prayer of faith, Lord Jesus, I receive you as a sinner. I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Duties to the state. Election day on Tuesday. Praise the Lord, it'll be all over. Amen. Amen? Amen. May God help us. Our kids are going to come and close.